On Infused Grace, Part 2 in a series on Thomas Aquinas' view of justification. Appreciate what Apologia Anglicana is doing? Support us on Patreon, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group and see my articles on the North American Anglican in the link tree below. What is grace? The first question one must ask when covering the topic of the necessity of grace is the question of what is grace? This question takes the reader back to the bitter debates between Romanists and Protestants, specifically the question of imputation versus infusion in justification. St. Thomas speaks clearly to this debate. Foundational to his argument for imputation is divine love. God's love is an eternal act whereby he loves us. The effect of this eternal act is temporal in that it, he affects peace and union with us. The bringing us up into union with him and the effecting of peace requires that there is an infusion of faith and charity into us. If not, we would not be capable of this union, and we would not be active towards this union, the action of which on both sides is necessary for this union. There is the extranos and eternal reality of the divine love, and then its intranos effects, which is the infusion of grace as an overflowing of this love. God's eternal disposition of love is not impotent. Rather, it is powerful and glorious, bringing about the effects of his will. The painful action is not only stopped, but the wound is healed by divine love, that we may have true union with him in peace. St. Thomas writes, quote, By sinning a man offends God. An offense is remitted to anyone only when the soul of the offender is at peace with the offended. Hence sin is remitted to us when God is at peace with us. And this peace consists in the love whereby God loves us. Now God's love considered on the part of the divine act is eternal and unchangeable, whereas as regards the effect it imprints on us, it is sometimes interrupted inasmuch as we have sometimes fallen short of it, and once more acquire it. Now the effect of the divine love in us, which is taken away by sin, is grace, whereby a man is made worthy of eternal life, from which sin shuts him out. Hence we could not conceive the remission of guilt without the infusion of grace. End quote. Further, he writes, quote, As God's love consists not merely in the act of the divine will, but also implies a certain effect of grace. So likewise, when God does not impute sin to a man, there is implied a certain effect in him, to whom the sin is not imputed. For it proceeds from the divine love that sin is not imputed to a man by God. End quote. This is also where merit comes into the discussion, another touchy topic between the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation. St. Thomas teaches that there are specific meritorious actions that result from grace. How can there be merit that results from grace, one may ask? The answer comes back to the definition of grace that St. Thomas gives. Notice earlier when he wrote, quote, Now the effect of the divine love in us, which is taken away by sin, is grace whereby a man is made worthy of eternal life, from which sin shuts him out, end quote. This is all that merit is for St. Thomas. We merit, or are made worthy, for eternal life, in that we have been infused with faith, hope, and charity.
In St. Thomas's scheme, it is natural to speak of merit in this way, that is, as an effect of God's love where sin is taken away, and there is a motion from sin to justice. Of course, in this scheme, we merit eternal life in the sense that God has fulfilled in us the conditions of eternal life and taken away, quote, the sin which shuts him out, end quote. The Necessity of Infused Grace St. Thomas goes on in De Veritate to prove the necessity of this infused grace. He begins by defining the nature of sin. There are two elements to sin, quote, the turning away from something and the turning towards something, end quote. We turn away from God and towards lesser loves, as St. Augustine taught in De Doctrina Christiana. We love things for their sake and not in reference to God. St. Thomas teaches that the forgiveness of sin does not have reference to the second, turning towards something, but the guilt is found in turning away from God. It is not enough to only turn back to God. The guilt and damage incurred from turning away are still present. For this turning away to be forgiven, there is both a negative and a positive aspect. The will must be turned to God, and the damage incurred from the former turning away must be healed by grace. To illustrate what St. Thomas is getting at here, it is as if we were supposed to lift something with our hands. We take our hands from the proper act of lifting and put them into a fire. It is not enough to take our hands out of the fire and begin lifting again. Our hands will be damaged beyond repair from being in the fire. The turning from and the effects of this act must needs be healed for the lift to occur as initially intended. So also our sin and the effect of our sin must be healed for true union of God to take place. It is not enough for us to turn in faith to God if we are unfit instruments to have union with Him. It is as if we were trying to fill a cup with holes in it. The water can flow in superabundance, union and peace with God, towards the cup, us. But the holes must be patched, infused grace, before the water, union and peace with God, can flow into the cup, us. Turning away offense and effects. St. Thomas closes in his exposition by giving three more arguments from the nature of sin to argue for the necessity of infusion. First, from the nature of turning away. St. Thomas writes, quote, The turning away is from the unchangeable good, which the person could have possessed, but in regard to which he has made himself impotent. Otherwise, the turning away would not be culpable. The turning away in question cannot, then, be removed unless there is brought about a union with the unchangeable good from which men withdrew by his sin. But this union is effected only by means of grace, by which God dwells in souls and the soul cleaves to God, by the love of charity. The healing of this turning away accordingly requires the infusion of grace and charity, just as the healing of blindness requires the restoration of the power of sight. End quote. Second, from the nature of the offense. The offense is not turning away from a mere creature, as if we went from loving calzones more than pizza. Rather, it is the supreme perversion of loving a creature more than the Creator. St. Thomas writes, quote, Since God infinitely surpasses a creature, one who sins mortally will have offered to God an infinite offense from the point of view of the dignity of him who is insulted. Human strength is accordingly incapable of blotting out this offense. 
the good offices of divine grace are required. Third, from the effect of sin. Sin takes away the hope of glory. The means of arriving at glory is by grace. Therefore, we need to be given grace for sin to be remitted. Conclusion In conclusion, St. Thomas here argues for the necessity of infused grace in the act of justification. While this is not certainly going to convince a Protestant of the Roman doctrine, this was not even St. Thomas's aim, it gives us brilliant insight into an exposition of the doctrine presented. While we may criticize the lack of biblical exposition on the part of St. Thomas, and the lack of interaction with the modern Protestant position, which was unknown to St. Thomas, this exploration is still of great value to any reader.